Well, hey guys, welcome to this episode of Conversations. This week, we're going to be talking about how to bring the the crowd into the core, the, the people that are new to your church, the people that maybe have attended one or two times, really jumping into some practical studies and statistics that I've seen, read, and observed that I think will help people, again, go from the crowd to the core. And if this is your first time watching, thank you so much for watching this on YouTube or listening to this on I think we're on like 22 different audio platforms, so it's so much fun to grow and learn with you. And again, my name is Josh, and today we're just going to begin. Have a conversation. That's what conversation is about, is helping you and I grow together and get a little bit better each time. So again, we're going to be kind of jumping around from statistics to observations to practical ways to help people that, are, again, are on outside on the fringe and getting them involved participating and even being able to define what some of those things are that we should be looking for. So jumping right in, while the length at times, again, this is what we're going to be jumping into. It's the people that have attended maybe for the first time, or maybe they've watched online and they're showing up. How how are we capturing these people? And is is this a priority to you? Should this be a priority priority to you? What what I would say anyways, before we jump into some observations and statistics and all that type of stuff is if we don't care for those people and have a true process for the people who are walking into our services, really, there's no point, right? Like If we're genuinely about the mission of Jesus and not just having just Jesus clubs over here and caring about the five people, but but truly thinking about the heart of God and the heart for the city that he has that we should have. And again, this I understand that this is an international podcast and YouTube channel where there's over 55 different countries. So some of you might be even caught off guard that I would mention something like there's people who go to church who don't have a plan or process or even heart for the new people. And that's very much so. And I just want to challenge you to generally think about what Jesus cares about that is the lost sheep. It's a lost, it's a lost person. And yes, we've heard this quoted all the time that Jesus leaves the 99. Yeah. And he goes after the one and he brings them back into the 99. So there's a total of a hundred. So there, there's a lot of intentionality that goes into when Jesus shared that story that, that the shepherd actually knew how many sheep he had that that tells me that there's an intentionality behind um, what we're about to go into. So any member, regular attendee who has gone three Sundays in a row since research, research indicates half of such people will be gone within a year. So again, we're going to just give some statistics and I'm going to give some observations. But if you're if you're a regular attendee is gone three Sundays in a row, this indicates that within a year, 50% of those people will no longer attend your church. So there's there's a point of this that retention is obviously important. We'll go into some retention statistics here in a bit. But when you think about the person that's gone one weekend, right? Maybe they're out, out of town. Maybe they're on vacation. Maybe they're going to visit family. Those are the people that, again, you should still account for and people should be thinking about and missing and sending them text messages. Hey, man, miss you so much. Hope vacation is great. Can't wait to see you again this Tuesday or whatever at your Bible study. That 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 tells the church or the individual that, hey, my church loves me. They see me. They value me. They value that I attend and participate in this ministry. But the but two, three, four weeks in a row, 
that's an indication, right, that there's there's something more deeper and it might tend into shame. It might be something in their life that they're not willing to talk to somebody about. This This is a massive priority. And again, that's why we should be so intentional about our second and third time visitors. I know that on Sunday mornings and in the midweek text, it's always the first time, first time attender or guest. You don't say visitor, you say guest. First time guest, that's important, but I would spend more energy and time into your second and third time visitors because like I just said, if somebody's gone three Sundays in a row, research indicates that half of those people will be gone within a year. So that's one statistic. So while it takes about, I don't know, six, it, the statistic says within six to eight months, somebody is going to be gone physically. It takes psychologically to drop out of your church six to eight weeks. So the emotional and psychological tie to this is super important, right? We got to take care of people's, again, mental health, emotional tie to the church, and I've seen this. I've I've been a I've been in this where I might be attending the church on a Sunday, but emotionally and psychologically, I'm not there. I'm just going because I have to, rather than it's a missional intentionality that I'm focusing on. That's saying I want to be a part of this. And somebody who wants to be a part of it again will attend. I feel like that's more practical than not. And looking into it again, like I said, six to eight months, these people are going to be gone within your church and. In the future, in this video, we're actually going to be talking about the, the two big divots that you see statistically within your uh, attenders, the, the guests, the people who are not actively giving or serving on a team. We'll go into those divots. So let's just jump into some simple percentages that I think will help you and serve you well. So a recent survey found that only 3% of churches in the United States have a specific group committee or task force charged with welcoming guests, and integrating newcomers. So that's one of three statistics I'm about to share. So we have all these, all these teams and all these people that are part of your church who genuinely have specific giftings. Why, why is it that only 3% of churches in the United States have a specific team focused on guests, the first-time guests? Obviously, that should be a priority, and statistics are saying that it isn't. So this is contrast to 21% of churches that have an outreach or evangelism committee, 68% with a team that oversees the worship ministry, 84% of churches with personal people responsible for Christian education programs. So perhaps, again, it's not a surprise given these figures that only 15% of the churches in the United States today are growing. And I would say that's a little less now. So 15% of the churches in America are actually growing year over year. And going back to the first stat I just shared, 3% of churches in the United States have a team well, that's focused on welcoming guests. So potentially, our growth issues isn't necessarily that first or second week. It's the fact that we aren't intentional with our guests. So we have to, again, we have 84%, I was 84% of churches with people responsible for educational programs within our churches. So maybe... If if we look at the way the, the New Testament church grew, again, they probably didn't have a welcoming committee, but looking at the United States and looking at our needs, we need to be the people who are intentional about having people connect with people. Like you need to be connect driven and a connection isn't a coffee mug with your logo on it. 
And I understand that that's a gift and you think that that's important, but more important than a coffee mug is a friend. Newcomers must have seven plus friends in the church within the first six months to be fully assimilated. This is just all statistics and research based, by the way. So a newcomer, a guest within six months needs to have seven plus friends within the, for them to be actually assimilated and to call their church home. Newcomers who make fewer than two friends in the first six months are more likely to drop out. So there's a, there's a stat that, again, I just shared, 12 and 6 and 2. So if somebody is attending your church and they're only having two, maybe three friends within that six months, they're likely going to drop out of your church. Seven plus friends and even 12 plus is almost a guarantee that they will absolutely be at your church for the first 12 months. And we'll share why the 12 months is the drop off with even that. But again, this all comes back to the basics, right? Are we actually connecting to our guests, making them feel like they have a purpose and that they can make a difference in this church? And are our, our servant leaders, our volunteers, and even our staff and pastors kind and genuine that can bring them in, again, from the crowd to the core? Jesus always had a crowd. There's always people observing what he was doing, observing the ministry, observing what the disciples doing, but there also was a core of people who are building God's house together. So discover your visitor retention rate will help you know if you have enough visitors to grow. The typical non-growing church has a retention rate of nine. So a non-growing church, a church that is actually year over year lowered attendance shows that they only have a 9% retention rate. So the biggest gap here, again, isn't theology. The biggest gap in practical things that are happening is we're not retaining guests, which tells me, and I'm, I'm sure tells you, we're not making it a priority and energy focused on helping people take the next step, whether that, whatever that is, whatever that discipleship journey that they're on. And they might not even be a disciple yet. They might not follow Jesus yet, but they go for a week and they leave. A growing church averages 21% visitor retention. So about two out of every 10. Think about that. That is so, think like two out of 10 people stay. You're in a growing church. And the statistic we just shared that there's only a vast, vast 15% in churches are growing. So you're telling me 85% of the churches in America only have less than 9% retention rate. So what that says is there's 85% of churches who are not prioritizing retention. Hence why I'm making this video to help you hopefully see how important this is in your ministry. Maybe your youth pastor, maybe your lead pastor, exec pastor does not matter. It all is the same. Retention is more important than you think. And if you want a growing church, focus on Retention. So research shows that when newcomers visit a church twice within a six-week period, their eventual affiliation rate doubles. And when they visit three times within six weeks, affiliation rate triples. So I'm not even saying week over week here. These are true stats that you only need someone to attend your church two times within six weeks or three times within six weeks for them to again, that, tr that affiliation rate will triple. So that's saying 
three times within six weeks. So it might not be week to week. It might not be, again, two out of six weeks. That's one third. That's 33%, right? That's, whole, that's in our minds as a, somebody who's attended a church for 10 years. I'm like, going to church two times out of six weeks? That's like bad. But apparently statistics say that those people, again, will attribute to your retention and church growth. So helping people, again, cultivating not just an ex, not just a, a sermon or a worship set that helps people say, this is my church. What it says is you should put just as level of priority into your connections. And as somebody who's been a part of a church for that long and served in a church, led in the church, this is, this is a culture thing. This is not a, a strategy thing. This isn't a planning meeting that you need to figure out. This is a culture thing. This is why do my people that attend God's house, our church, not take personal responsibility for the people attending my church? Why? Like, why, why is there not a personal responsibility that someone takes when they genuinely want somebody to be a part of their church? And again, for them to grow and to look and feel and experience Jesus like we all have. So what is that for you? I don't know what that is. I can't answer that. Because you might be watching this in 2035 and saying, man, I, I feel like our church should be growing. Our worship is great. Our pastor always preaches a great message. Our social media looks cool. Yeah, all that stuff is great, but apparently you don't have a culture of connection because the person serving once a month should feel just as responsible as a lead pastor of connecting to that person. That looks like getting their phone number it looks like sending them a text message and getting dinner with them, helping them again assimilate because we know that within six months, that person needs seven friends. I would assume that you have a friend group in your church, by the way. It's helping them assimilate into that friend group and not being exclusive. So the two best ways for newcomers to develop friendships are to be involved in a small group, obviously, and a team. So that, those are the, that's the step, right? So if somebody's attending, how does your church get them in a small group or a team? It goes back to the culture. Does your church, each individual person serving on a team or participating in a small group, feel responsible of bringing them a part of their journey? They should get invited. They should get a text message. And it's not, it's not a strategy. Like I said, it's a culture thing. It's, man, I genuinely know what my small group did for me. I want them to be a part of my small group. Or we'll start a small group together. Those are the two ways practically that you can get somebody involved get them in a small group get them in a team or both that's best case scenario a survey we conducted a few years ago this is from this survey was from gary mcintosh conducted asked pastors if they had an evangelism outreach committee in their church 21 out of every 100 said yes the next question whether they had assimilation committees in their church only three and a hundred said they did Many pastors and churches seem to think that assimilating new people happens by itself without a team. And again, we're trying to get people in a small group or a team. That's really, that's zero to one right there. Get them in a, get them in a small group, get them in a team. They will, again, 85% of them will participate in your church year over year. 21% will grow. Again, that's all you need. 21% retention rate to be in a growing church. 9% means you are not in a growing church. So... What that tells me is we care way more about our outreach committees and evangelism than we do our retention or assimilation teams, which 
in 2023, we'd call that a next steps team. So do you have a department or a group of people and their only focus is thinking about that individual going from zero to one? They're going from the crowd to the core. They're going from just attending and spectating to participating and being a part of the church. That happens through intentionality. And again, many pastors, and I used to be this one as well, that we just assume people are going to participate in our church. And, and that's what ends up happening is you realize all your teams aren't growing and you got to go on a Sunday morning and make a, a blanket statement to everyone. Hey, we need more volunteers and kids. I'm not, I'm not submitting to you that that's horrible. What I'm submitting to you is there's a better way. It's called having people solely focused on getting somebody plugged in and connected to a team or small group. That's literally it. If you get them on one of those two or best case scenario, both, we know that your retention rate will increase. AKA means your church will increase. And, and again, like I said, the outreach and evangelism teams, there was what? It was like a vast majority, 21, 21 out of every hundred, it says. So they have that team. So we care so much about our big front door, but our back door, we don't care about it all apparently because if we care about retention. We care about the intentionality and somebody getting plugged in. And again, there's the spiritual side of it too, that we care. We want someone to have purpose and mission in their heart when they follow Jesus, not just a spectator sport because Christianity is not a spectator sport. So we, we assume that people will get assimilated. We'll assume people will join a team. We'll assume people go to a small group. The truth is, however, that if anything happens automatically, it is that newcomers will not be assimilated. That's the only thing that actually will automatically happen. So you're assuming automatically someone's going to join a team because that's just what you did in the 90s or a small group because that's just what you did. Assuming that, the only thing that we can truly look back statistically and know that will absolutely happen is they will not get assimilated and they'll leave your church. So it's common to hear people in a church say with conviction we are a warm and loving church. The implication behind their belief is that any newcomer who joins automatically feels the same sense of warmth and love that they do. So, man, we're a welcoming church. Welcome home. You're welcome here. We assume people feel that because we've been there for 10 plus years. So it's likely, however, that the members are so convinced that these qualities characterize their church have been there for at least five years and more likely 25 years, right? And, it, and it's the things that nobody's telling you, right? That you're, you're the big man you're the, and we have a group of yes man and you're just assuming people feel this way. You're assuming that first time guest feels at, at home when we say that type of stuff, but do we actually hear them out to get their opinion and ask them, did you feel welcome today? No, I didn't. I felt like everyone's judging me. And the people were just talking in their groups and I didn't have anyone to talk to. I felt awkward. Okay, well, that's a real story. Okay, that happens more, not, more times than not. We just assume, again, people automatically feel this awesome warmth and, and joy. That happens through intentionality. I'm telling you that right now. Your team should be so on mission on a Sunday morning to find that person who is by themselves, who looks a little awkward, and nobody knows how to talk to them. That is what you train and teach on much more than this big theological mystery that's helping one third of your team. So 66% of them have no clue what you're talking about and have no clue on how to actually interact with people, which by the way, that's what ministry is. It's people. You're interacting with people. You're, inter you're interacting with people who don't look like you, sound like you, have the same experience as you, have the same beliefs as you, 
how do you actually engage with them? How do you be their friend? How do you talk to them? How do you engage them and help them go from the crowd to the core, not just the the copycats that that you're breeding? So it's likely, like I said, members who are convinced that all of the the culture that they have on their wall, we're assuming that that's what everyone feels, and that's just wrong. So how do, how do we how do we actually bring a solution here? It's common that for visitors and, and new members to feel quite a different, less degree of warmth and love than the longtime members. Thus, the more intentional and proactive a church is, should be anyways, and welcoming in, into their flock, into their church, the more newcomers will remain and become longtime members. So going into some practical things here to help you grow and help your church, again, grow your retention rate, which means a year over year, grow your church. Your church should have a list of characteristics that they describe fully assimilated member. List them out. List out the exact things you think a characteristic of that person would have. Is it, and answer this question for yourself, is a disciple synonymous with an assimilated member in your church? Is that the same thing? If you're saying I'm building disciples, does that equate to them being assimilated into your church? Or does that just mean they attend on a Sunday and hear your message and read their Bible in their home. Because that's two very much different things. Someone's assimilated into a church, assimilated into a group, assimilated into a team, literally building the church. Because there's people who are attending but not building. I had coffee with a friend this morning. There's a difference between babysitting and building. Many churches just have a babysitting group, but they're all in their 30s. It's not gen- It's not babies. So of all the people who drop out of church, 82% leave in the first year. That's why all these statistics, that's why all these thoughts matter. 82% of those first-time guests you're having are going to leave in your first year. So how, how do we stop this? I just shared a bunch of statistics. I just shared a bunch of thoughts on, man, how do we get newcomers to join a team or participate in a group? I'm going to give you six questions that every single one of these people are thinking through. In the first three, if you can answer these within the six months, again, people leave in six months at 12 months. Those are the two indicators that we've seen that when people leave the church, it's always at the six-month time and the 12 months. And that's like a vast majority of these people. So these are the first three questions that if you can answer this as a leader in the church, those people will stay. Can I make friends in this church? Is there a place I can fit in? And does this church really want me? So this person is thinking, man, can I make friends here? Do the people here actually say and do what they're talking about? Like, are they actually going to be nice to me? Are they actually going to go to dinner with me or get coffee with me? Because that's what pastors do. We say, hey, let's get coffee sometime. And we never do it. Let's follow through and help people actually think through, man, I can make friends here. This is an environment where friends are produced and friendships and deep relationships are actually a thing. Is there a place I can fit in? Most people, myself included, and you listening to this or watching this, have felt like an outcast at one point in your life. You felt like an outcast. You felt like, man, they just don't understand me. People don't dress like me. People don't talk like me. So they're, they're thinking in their mind, is this somewhere I can fit in? Is the fact that I'm different allowed and permissible here? And does this church really want me? That, that goes with practically you communicating that. Man, we're so glad you're here. We want you to participate in, in the house of God because we know the difference it'll make in your life and plenty of others in our city. People want to feel known and needed, right? Those are the two things that every person on this planet wants to feel. And this 
again, are the first three, if you can answer those, they'll stay six months. These last three, this will mean that they'll stay 12 months. And if somebody stays within 12 months, I believe it's 70 to 80% will stay 12 years. So this is how you genuinely build a church. This is practically things that you can do and solve as a team, as an individual to make sure that retention rate is increased, which means your church will grow. So we just talked through those first three. Cool. They're there for six months. Next three questions you can answer. Are my new friends as good as my old ones? Does the group meet my needs? And is my contribution important? So we went from these practical, almost surface level questions that we can answer. And now it's, are, are these friends as good as my old ones? Think about this. Somebody got saved in your church. All their old friends, all they did was partied, drank together, went out to the bars, clubs, whatever. Now they're nine months into your church and they're thinking about, are the friends that I met here that are Christian as good as my old ones? How sad is that? That sometimes people don't actually think that, by the way. They'd rather go back to the bar because they feel more welcomed and loved there than they do at the church. That's just a really sad thought to have. And it is happening, by the way. It is happening in your church. It's happening everywhere. And again, it's our responsibility to make sure that we actually are who we say we are. We are loving. We are caring. We are intentional. We are hospitable. So are my new friends as good as my old ones? Does this group meet my needs? So I've been meeting their needs for nine, eight, ten months now. Are they meeting my needs? Are, are they actually saying, man, I appreciate you. I value you. You, you matter to us. Like, am I spiritually growing? Am I, am I physically being challenged of, hey, let's work out together. Am I psychologically? Hey, man, how is therapy? Like the things that we think people aren't thinking about or don't care about, they do. And the last one is my contribution important. There's people who are attending your church, by the way, for 10 years were thinking that because you don't affirm them, don't have nights to celebrate them. You might not even celebrate them in general. You should have probably three to four touch points a week that are celebrating people. And, we, and, and what happens is we, we fight this, right? We go, well, people shouldn't need celebration. They should just do it because God sees it and they're going to get a reward in heaven. Yes, and people need to feel value. Like you need to feel value. You need to feel affirmed. Imagine. Your dad, that's how he parented you. He was like, well, you just, you just should know that I love you because I'm your dad. You should just know that you're a part of our family because their last name says it. That sounds like a horrible dad to me. Hence, a leader just assumes that people know that they're making a difference. You need to be very specific on your celebration, privately and publicly. I've said this so many times. Celebrate what you want repeated, but not even that, not even without a motive. Just celebrate them. Point out the things that are making a difference in your church. Make it the big picture and then make it practical and micro. So this person that I chatted with last week, this is a person who dropped out of ministry. Uh, this is a person who dropped out of church. He said, I wanted to have an impact on people's lives, but all they asked me to do was set up chairs for the first church, for the, for the church dinner. So this is somebody who, I think it was about a year anyways, attending their church. And there's, there's plenty of things, right? Plenty of opinions about this, this sentence. And to think about this, somebody's going to leave your church because they don't feel like they're making an impact. They'll go to another church, which is fine. And that's the church that is celebrating people, having fun, being missional, and focused on helping people see the impact they're making, not just tell, talking about yourself and the impact you're making. So this person, 
was stacking chairs for a year. That's not bad. The, that's not the thing that you should care about. And there are plenty of leaders who their initial thought would just go, well, he's not willing to serve. He's not willing to serve. He can't lead. Yeah, I understand that servant of all be the leader of all. Yes. And the person who is doing that consistently, not getting celebrated, not getting a relationship that they're connected to, their leader is just telling them what to do. It's a manager. They're going to leave. How practical do we need to make it? Like, let's celebrate people. Let's have fun. Let's make sure our small groups know that it should feel uh, inclusive, that people should feel welcome there, that we need to be training people how to talk to people and help them feel loved and seen within those contexts of teams, servant teams, all that. So the last four things here, and then we'll wrap up for the week. These are the four things that every person on the planet needs. And these are the everything that every single person on your team, your staff, your church absolutely needs. And they will stay. Number one, support. Everyone wants to know they're not alone. You need to practically communicate that to every person on your team. You know you're not alone. Even if it's you and I, man, you got, you got a friend in me. We're going to be friends. We're gonna, we're not gonna, we might not do it for life, not do it forever, but we're friends today. And that matters. Every person needs support. Every person needs stability. People are looking for a foundation to build their life on. Self-expression. People want an opportunity to express their uniqueness. You can't quote Psalm 139 and then go to a general whatever, two teams. Some people have specific giftings. We need to be able to steward them. We need to be able to help them build that gifting and celebrate them. And so we all want to know that our life matters. We all want to feel like we're making a difference. There's people who do not know Jesus who are still feeling these same four things. They need support. They need stability self-expression, and significance. So there's a lot of information in this podcast, this, this video on YouTube anyways. I understand that. But what, what I want you to do is I want you to think about how can I get somebody from the crowd to the core? What do I need to have in place and what culture do I need to establish for somebody to feel the significance and the importance of the individual but also the group? And it's, again, practical, teams and small groups. That's all. You just put your whole energy and focus. And again, you might not even need a specific team for this, by the way. This might just be a culture within everyone on your team. Does every single person feel responsible for onboarding a team member or getting somebody in a small group? With that, I appreciate each one of you. I hope that this served you well. I hope this was a resource to you. I appreciate you, and we will see you next week.